you would all stand with us. Uh, we'll dismiss our kids up to third grade at the back. And Logan will come on up and he'll be uh, guiding us as we read scripture together. So what we do is uh, he'll lead us in reading, but we all read aloud with him. So if you would stand with us and read aloud with us. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. That you guys are here with us today. Um, as we are going uh, through uh, our Bible reading plan, just wanted to let you know that once a month I will likely have a more topical sermon like this one, but the rest of the times during the month, three or four weeks, I will also be following the Bible reading plan and I will be preaching from the previous week's reading. So I will also be doing that and um, you'll also be learning in your Sunday schools also from the pre, uh, previous week's teaching, and obviously on Wednesdays, it's everything that we do that way. Um, why do we do that? We say that Jesus uh, be the center, and Jesus ought to be the center of our lives and this church. And not only for us individually at homes with our YouTubes and our uh, uh, private uh, worship and edification time with the Lord. But one thing that's uh, very hurting the church in the Western world, and that is the fact that we're individualistic in approach when in the kingdom of God we ought to be community in our identity and makeup. You say, well, pastor, you know, I'm from Western Union, United States, and I was raised individualistic. Well, welcome to the club. In the kingdom of God, we are all a family, one body. And that's why we're gathering together. And that's why at the very core, um, the foundation vision for our church is to be scripture grounded, to be Christ-centered, to be spirit-filled, and to be gospel-driven. And those are the four uh, areas of values that we want to see seep through us uh, here at Grandview. Not only for ourselves and for our families, but also for uh, the community and the world around us. And that's why in this Bible reading plan, I have encouraged you to at least two or three times, don't read individualistically at home. Read together as a family. Read together as a family, and you will be blessed, believe me. And there will be time for you to share how that journey is going along. Um, you know, so uh, just wanted to introduce that. Uh, we have introduced uh, our one of the spiritual disciplines as being a Christian may mean a little Christ. There's something miraculous happens. Christianity is not a religion. 
where other religions of the world, they tell you to do something, you try to do the best that you can, and as a result of that works, you're seen as good or bad. Christianity is not religion. Christianity is life. And the reason why Christianity is life, because by grace, God renews our heart and our life. And we call that being born again or born of the Spirit of God. And God also works within us and sanctifies us and produces fruit. So there's the fruit of the Spirit within our life. And God also empowers us and baptizes us with the Spirit of power upon us and manifests His power in that which He has called us to do in this world. But there's a part where you and I have a play. You cannot empower yourself. This is not a self-based learning program. You go to a bookstore and it says, self-help. You know, or, uh, but there is a part where you say, well, if I'm a spiritual being, what's my part? And that's to come together in the, this relationship with Jesus and be spirit-formed. And we already looked at one discipline of being spirit-formed, and that is celebrating the Lord's table. That we will do once a month. Today, uh, we are looking at another uh, uh, spiritual discipline. I will teach about 11 of them uh, to you guys that you can practice on a regular basis. And this is one that happens probably the third most in your life. And that is celebrating the Lord's... uh, And that is feeding on God's Word, sorry. Feeding on God's Word. And um, as we read today, as you can tell, probably you said, well, Pastor, probably you should have made a, a, a New Year resolution to eat less. And, um, you know, uh, how many of you forgot to eat yesterday or the day before? But in our claim, when people ask you, AJ, are you a Christian? Uh, you know, Nate, are you a Christian? How come it's so much easier to forget to feed our spirit and our life? It's very easy to feed ourselves. Actually, you can say, well, pastor, you shouldn't use feed. You should use stuffed because you look stuffed. So, yeah, maybe you stuff yourself, unfortunately. Uh, But no. How many of us forget the reality that we need to feed ourselves. We are of Protestant background, so this Catholic priest who was a professor of New Testament in Germany that revolted against the Catholic Church said something about God's Word. And he said, we cannot attain to the understanding of Scripture either by study or by intellect. Your first duty is to begin by prayer. Why do you think he brings prayer? And prayer is a discipline. It's because we have the word of God because there's someone behind the word of God. And it's part of a relationship. When your Bible reading begins to be information, guess what happens? It gets dry. 
you'll have to force yourself to do it, and you'll go through seasons like that. And there are people like that who say, you know, I don't live to eat. I eat to live. So they kind of use food to just survive. But there's some people who are foodies who live to eat. They're constantly on a search for a better meal. Anyone knows what I'm talking about or nobody here? Nobody here? Oh, man, I, I'm, I guess I'm the sinful one here. Uh, you know, uh, but I you know, can't say I'm not looking forward to a good meal. I, I wonder if you have experienced the beauty of the meals that the Word of God can provide for you. And, and, and there's, that's a beautiful discovery. And guess what? Have you noticed that when you eat with a lot of people, the food tastes better than when you're just alone? Yes. Nobody noticed that? Yeah? You'll shake your head. That's why we want to be here Wednesday. All together. Anyways, entreat the Lord to grant you of his mercy the true understanding of his word. There's no other interpreter of the word of God than the author of his word. In the influence of his spirit. Believe this on a word of a man who has experience. Now, this is uh, definitely something that we need to take to heart as we approach what we're starting this year. I also want to say one question. How can I be certain that the Holy Spirit is leading me in my understanding of scriptures? Isn't that a good question to ask yourself? How can I be certain? Well, the scripture reading wasn't just there for a model, but it gives us a hint. What does Jesus do when he answers the devil? Does he use his intellect? Oh. The best explanation, the best response to life is not your intellect, not your experience, not your feelings, not what the world teaches you, not your own values. Not that you're Republican or Democrat, conservative or liberal. Truth comes from above. Jesus models that for us, that he answers with God's word. So I was in a pagan world, the UC San Diego, and I'm playing tennis on the team. And, uh, you know, it's almost like a fraternity. Uh, they want to introduce you to, uh, to the women's team. So I had to serenade and all those. They're trying to push you to do all those sinful things as you're, you're a freshman. And I have to sing on my knees a song to someone. So I, I use the excuse, well, you know, I was born in Europe, so I'll sing in Romanian. 
So I began to sing a worship song to God. The, the girl thought I was serenading her. I'm praising God on one my knee when I'm, when, when, when I'm, uh, when I'm there. And, uh, you know, she thinks I'm head over heels over her. And I'm not at all. And, uh, and then they begin to ask me questions. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to waste my time with arguments and talking with them. I saw that they were drawn. We had relationships. And I would just speak a passage that I would memorize. After a while, I realized we're driving to play other teams in, you know, L.A., Santa Barbara, sometimes flying. And they want me to drive with them. And I'm hearing them, you know, this guy speaks in riddles. But it opened the door for me to do ministry. When they came to crossroads of things that happened in their lives, in relationships, they didn't go to people who thought they were smart. or They said, well, let me go ask this weird guy that speaks in riddles. After a while, they, asked, they started asking me, you know, can you say something we can understand? <laughs> hey, but you know what? At least they wanted to understand the Word of God. Because if you were to give them the Word of God, they would just simply reject it. This is what God says. Do you know why? They were starving. The world is starving of truth. The world is starving. And they fill that void. When truth is not there, when the relationship with God is not there, you know, do you feel comfortable when you're constantly hungry? Or you try to do something about it? Or you get angry? Hangry. Oh, hangry, okay. Grouchy. But the reality is, is that when people don't have truth, they turn to other things, worse things. Because truth leaves a big void. So here we see this. Do you think you'd be hungry after 40 days with Jesus? Very hungry. Do you think the enemy has something to say? I have a weakness. This guy's hungry. And I know he has power. So can you turn, tell the stones to become bread? Let me, let me press on the wound. Let me use his appetite. Telling us that the reason why you need to be fed is because there's a void and that's called the flesh or self in your life. Self. Selfishness. Our ego. Our centeredness upon us. It's a void There's another enemy, and that's called the world. The world spiritually is like pollution. Someone's polluted by a certain ideology, by a false worship, by a certain mentality. You know, just like the air, we put ourselves with cars, there's and fumes, and there's all sorts of pollution. But that's what happens for someone who doesn't have the truth. 
they are polluted by the world. And even worse than that, there's an enemy that attacks you. And he's attacking right now in a moment of weakness, in a moment when he's alone. Have you noticed that uh, when you're alone, you get tempted more? Nobody's noticed that? Hmm. So we're looking at the conditions of what we see here. The setting. There is a spiritual world and realm. We are enlisted in this spiritual army. If you belong to Christ, you by no choice. Anyone here serving? A couple of you serving? You're enlisted. You're enlisted in an army. Can you win a war if you're by yourself? No, okay. Just checking. The enemy is formidable. The stakes in the spiritual war are eternal. It will, this temporal war and this journey that you're on, will place a path upon your destiny. The scope of the war is universal. Our involvement is spiritual. In this spiritual war is personal. We have a king that has showed us the path to victory and has defeated the enemy. That's why we come together because we are Christians because we follow Jesus Christ. And that's why we fellowship together to express this walk that we have with Jesus. So I'm looking forward to seeing you on Wednesday. The war is temporary, but the present, but 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 it's present in this age that we live in, and the true Church of Jesus Christ will end up rising victorious. That is just the reality of where we are. Okay. The way food and water are needed for your life. So is the word of God. In scriptures, it's given to us as milk. Can babies survive as milk? So the reason why initially, if you don't have a close relationship with Jesus, if you don't have, uh, you know, this baby phase, is the word of God is like milk that is forming you and it's helping you grow into a place of stability. And we know that from the real world because we have SIDS. What is SIDS? Yeah. Oh, we have people who worked in the matter field. Yes. It is the most vital time when you can die. The most dangerous time in the life of a human being is during the baby phases. And that's why if you look into the history of the world, people had a lot of kids because a lot of kids died there's nothing more than the enemy wanting to veer you off or to kill you right after you have the initial saving knowledge of the gospel and Jesus Christ so we need God's word on a regular basis consistently and continually and this is not for me to say, oh, pastor, can I not do anything? This is five minutes a day. Five minutes a day. We spend more time eating real food 
rather than spiritual food during the day. But the principle, there's a principle that a good pastor said to me once, persistence on a daily pathway, progressing through the Bible, though beset by distraction and irregularity of schedule, is not only essential, but it also can be joyous. God's word is ever available, supernatural source for faith, strength, wisdom, growth, and freedom in Christ. There is no substitute for its power to nurture, counsel, protect, and sustain us. Now, if you read three chapters a day and then five on Sunday, you'll read through the Bible in one year. Or if you read about 10 minutes a day, you'll read in about one year. 10 to 12 minutes. I said... Is this a big commitment for us to spend five, about five, six minutes a day reading God's Word? You say, well, pastor, do you want me to starve? No, I want us to begin somewhere. To begin somewhere. Together. As a family at home. Together as a church family. One of the things that I do, because I'm more of an evening or night person, you may not be, if you're a morning person, hey, wake up five minutes early and start the word, the day in the Word of God. But for me, one of the, the principles, and this is not a rule or a regulation, but I always thought the light does not go out until His light goes in. So for me, because I'm an evening person, this is something that over the years as a, you know, a boy and then teenager and later on in life, it became part of life the way I wake up and I eat. To the point where, you know, you know that something is me, that something is wrong if it doesn't happen. Because there's an attachment that happens. There's a dependence. Because it's part of a relationship. But anyway, why read God's Word? Well, before we read God's Word, I want to tell you a few places uh, which tells us about the attitude. A lot of them come from Psalm 119. With awe, with delight, with appreciation, with praise, with joy, with love, and with obedience. Those are some things that, uh, you know, you should have in your prayer time as you're asking God to reveal uh, the, the, the meaning of His Word to you in His timing. Uh, some of your attitudes should be prepared in spirit this way. Now, the Word of God, why do we read it? Is because as it feeds us, it also does something different for us. There's many images of God's Word in the Bible, and one of them is seed. Now, for us who are not an agrarian society, seed is not that big of a deal. But seed is life. Seed is valuable. Seed provides sustenance, multiplication, growth. The Word of God is also a sword. It can protect you, it can defend you, it can be a shield. It's also referred to as fire and hammer, 
to break down and to purify. It is also used as a mirror. It is the word of God that truly tells you how you are growing in your stature of Christ. Is the spiritual mirror. And is the word of God that casts to the division of soul and spirit and identifies you before God of who you really are. It goes so deep to divide between the division of soul and spirit. Do you know what that tells us? That through the spirit and the truth of God's word, even our intentions and motives become present before the throne of the Father before we know it ourselves. What will habitual reading of God's word do? God's word ensures certainty about your path. There's a lot of uncertainty now. People are wondering, is a recession coming? How am I going to live? How am I going to survive? What should I do? Should I hold on to my money? Should I buy something now? There's a lot of uncertainty. Not about the path that we have. How do you know that this path is certain? We understand the defeat of the grave. Something that we lack into the today's day and age. Because we no longer profess the apostolic or the Nicene Creed. But this is in scriptures. We do what? We know that our path is certain through God's word. Because it's also God's word that tells us of the event we call ascension. God, after letting his son take on the sin of the world, we were wondering, people were wondering, will God receive him? The ascension is very important for us as a historical event and as assurance of the word become flesh that yes, the path is sure. God's word gives direction about our path. I'm not going to read those verses you can have because we have to move quickly. Um, you know, God, God's word ought to also give us wisdom about our path. Wisdom is different than being smart or intelligent or analytical. Wisdom is that which comes from above. It does not originate with you and your ability. And that is something that the Word of God will begin to gift you. Wisdom. The Word of God ensures our victory during this world. The Word of God also does what? Keeps us pure. Purifies us. Because I want to tell you, who doesn't like the place in the Bible with us? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Everybody, when you tell them, God loves you, Jesus loved you, he died for you. Do you know that everyone likes that statement? But when he says, do not lie, 
We, we don't like that. When it says, I mean, if you just look at a woman the wrong way, you have committed with her adultery in your heart. Do not gossip. If someone asks you to walk with him a mile, walk with him too. What is the problem? We get back to self. We get back to the void. So it does give us wisdom and helps us be pure and purifies us and lets us become moldable. God's word also does what? Alert us of the times. Now, do you guys know that in the United States, seven out of ten people who find the Lord, repent, and turn to the Lord are first, second, and third generation Americans? But that's a small percentage of the U.S., but that's 70% of the people are turning to the Lord in this country by number. Also, towards the end of the days, it tells us that as the number of the Gentiles will be completed, who will turn to the Lord? There's record number of Jewish people and Messianic Christians in the world right now. The, you know, feeding on God's word. God's word alert us. Jesus says, beware. You look at the sky and you see it's red. You know a storm is coming. How come you can't read the times? God's word will keep us alert. Because God says, this is the season you're in. God says, okay, go to war. And you go in prayer to God. God, I want to have this piece of land. I want to have... 400 fold. And God's like, I told you you're going to be at war for the next month. Why are you praying for a harvest? It's very important that we understand the season, the dispensations, and the times that we live in. Not to have false expectations. To realize, to discern the times, to discern the world that's trying to pollute us. To discern the void that lives within me and my need for a deliverer. To know that I'm trying to worship things and to fill the void. Pastor, shut up because I want to go watch the football game. God's word is our shield of faith as well. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. It's also our word, our sword. But, you know, like I said, what is the memory verse? Did any, does anyone know the first memory verse? I've asked you to memorize three verses for the next two years. No, anyone knows the first memory verse? AJ, did you memorize it? Oh, man, next time I'll ask you, AJ. This guy knows half the Bible almost uh, in his head. 
But basically, we are the clay and you are the potter. We can read this message. We can read what we just read today. And you can go home uh, as information, something that is in your head. And the church becomes an information center. But there's another way that if you came by faith because you love the Lord and you know him and you wanted to grow, draw near to him, his hand is ready. How does he do ministry with you and I? Before we even journey, because we can make this reading plan, information center, and we just talk about information. Like a book club. This is not a book club. So I'll be honest with you as I was praying for the Lord. You cannot be in God's hand to be molded unless God's word is the final authority in all matters of life and faith. Because you need to rest in his palm. It is in our nature to wrestle with God. It is in our nature to do what? To say, I like this about God. I like this about his word. You know, I don't even read the book of Revelation. How could a loving God do such horrible things? Well, I don't read when God tells them, go and kill everyone in that town, including animals. We pick and choose. We basically say, the clay is going to yell to the potter, don't make me this way. That is how many times we take a stance. So right now, I got to ask you, will you place yourself in the potter's hand? And this comes with a very simple question. Have you surrendered your feelings, your ideology, your opinions, your culture, your values, even your false theology or false teaching? And have you realized that when you're in the potter's hand, you're moldable and there's authority, and it is the word of God that it's at work. So right now, i got to ask you a very serious question. Is the Word of God the final authority in your life and in all matters of faith? Just don't ask me about the bylaws. <laughs> I don't want to be a hypocrite. But there will be changes happening and it's not because I like changes. It's because for this church, not one of us is a leader. <clears throat> Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And therefore, the word of God 
is the final authority in all matters of faith and life. It's not how I feel. It's not how the world and corporations do it. It is not how we're being attacked to do it. Because you know what? I like to be comfortable. And I like to be in control. Jesus could have been comfortable to just transform the, the, the stones into bread. There's joy. In this denial. But this is a serious question. This is a serious journey for you. Are you an information center? Are you a fan watching a baseball game and talking about the game? Or are you in the hand of God? Who's going to take you, take the impurities out, make you malleable, form you into a vessel to be used for his kingdom and his glory on this planet. Because the time is short. For us, time is short. Now. But not with him. As we started today, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, none of us were in the beginning. He's the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega. Elohim, Elohim is the almighty God. Right when you start reading the Bible, it is so amazingly oppressive to us that we would die if we truly understand the statement. Because he portrays Elohim as the almighty God for which everything is power in total sovereignty and Governance. And what happens? That is in the beginning before time even existed. We are limited to history, science that we observe, and timeline that has occurred. You start reading the Bible and it's like, a wall hits you, a brick wall hits you, and you're laying flat. And I say, this is beyond, I can't comprehend and understand. This is too great and too big. This is how the Bible starts. Outside of the realm of time. This is how God is in our face from the beginning. This is the potter. Now, you may think you're smart, and I'm not saying you're not smart. You may go your own way. You may try to mold your own life. But if in the beginning, God, what does that mean? You're no longer... If you're in his hand, you're no longer affected by time. He was before time. Fears begin to dissipate. Victory becomes a reality. Joy 
announce bad news on bad circumstances fill your life. Man, does that sound too good to be true? Miracles happen. I know miracles happen just when I understand all my Elohim. When I saw that and I began to read and, and, and create, no one can create because you can't have something out of nothing. We use that word in a sinful way. We can only manipulate that which was created. We're making stuff, but we can't create. That's bara, not also in, in Hebrew. Our language is a little weaker, so it's hard for us to understand. This immensity, we cannot comprehend. I cannot comprehend infinity. The realm of a certain segment, I cannot. But this is the immensity of the potter. And he's saying, I am the potter, you are the clay. There's more than just the word of God. There's molding. You'll be made in a vessel and you'll be used by God. This is the journey 